welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Razia Mirza, better known as Razi. Estepreneur is a podcast where estheticians can learn how to become successful entrepreneurs. I'm an Afghan immigrant, retired U.S. Army surgical assist. I have been a licensed esthetician for past 10 years and a business owner for four years. I have made many mistakes in my career and faced many failures, which made me into a better businesswoman and an esthetician. You will learn everything about starting your own aesthetics practice in this podcast. So let's get this shit started. And by the way, I unapologetically curse a lot. So be ready for that. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Razi, and you're listening to Estepreneur. Today, we are going to talk about chemical formulations, product development, everything from a cosmetic chemist perspective. Today, I have Keisha. She is the proud owner and founder of Keisha No Skin Consulting and Research Development Consulting that develops skincare formulas for startups. I got to know her on social media. We connected on Instagram. The moment I knew that she is a cosmetic chemist I was like okay I gotta have her on the podcast because we know a lot of things from a skin treatment perspective but when it comes to cosmetic chemistry we're not the experts so having an expert solves a lot of problems I'm really excited to introduce Keisha hi Keisha how are you doing hey I'm doing good how are you I'm good I'm so sorry for all the hiccups on this whole process of getting you on the podcast. I really apologize. It's okay. I'm glad we are finally doing the podcast. It's late night for you. So thank you so much for taking time out for doing this podcast. How was your day? How's everything going? I know you're really busy. So give us a little bit info about yourself, about your experience and background in cosmetic chemistry, how you started the company, what have you been doing and all the all the details. Well, my day was very long. Um, I had a meeting. Um, I'm the board of directors for STEM Unlimited, where we're actually trying to get cosmetic science into colleges all across the globe. So it's a global organization, and we're getting the program into um, starting in the South, TSU, LSU, all of those good colleges. So it was busy. We had a two-hour meeting. So that's how my day started. Basically, I've been doing this for 15 years. I started formulating 15 years ago in high school. I started my own skincare line and it just, it just stuck with me. I never saw skincare as a career. It was only supposed to be like a passionate side hustle, but it just winded up taking the forefront and now it's what I do today. So that's pretty much how I got started and got into it. Wow. 15 years. It's a really long time. Yes. That's exciting and fun. That sounds really good. I haven't had a lot of conversations with cosmetic chemists, so I have so many questions for you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We in the treatment room have a different protocol and a different understanding of skincare products and ingredients, while on the other end, you have a completely different perspective and more of an insight about product formulation and ingredients. And I know that you also help new startups come up with their skincare lines and work with them. My question to you was when it comes to formulating skincare products, what is that you feel is like a myth in the industry that a lot of people don't understand and they have this misconception, which you would like to explain about or talk about? Definitely that natural skincare is better. And I know some people are going to roll their eyes because... We talk about it all the time on Instagram, but it's such a myth. Like I'm very concerned and not just me, but a lot of the cosmetic chemists, we're concerned about where the beauty industry is heading as far as our skincare, because it's becoming unsafe for more and more. Um, I see girls all the time on Instagram formulating a batch in their kitchen and they literally put it up for sale the next day. They didn't test or anything and people are buying it in abundance. These girls are making thousands of dollars a day by just making something in their kitchen that's not even tested. And so, um, you know, they're putting all these natural ingredients in there, not knowing the dangers of it. You know, they don't have any business insurance. Um, You know, natural ingredients is very can be very dangerous in formulations. That's why conventional ingredients were formulated in a lab and tested for our safety. Um, You know, they're full of heavy metals. 
So it's really best. Like, for example, let's say shea butter. Shea butter is a very huge, popular ingredient. Everybody's putting shea butter in everything. But if you notice, if you go to a cosmetic chemist, they're going to use refined shea butter that's been through a chemical process to get out all of those impurities and all of those harmful minerals versus somebody that's making it on their own that's going to use the natural shea butter and they're going to market it as safer when it's really not safer, and especially because they're using it at high percentages. So these are the things to think about when you want to do something professionally and the right way. You can't just have that misconception that natural is better because it can really be dangerous for you. Um, another example is herbal extracts. The biggest thing that people market today that is doing it themselves, they say, oh, you know, the retailers, they only use 1% herbal extracts and we have 10%. Well, that could be very dangerous because um, I, I'm not going to say the company's name, but they're actually in big legal trouble right now. And actually a seasoning is also in trouble for the exact same thing because their herbal extracts are used at such high percentages in their formulations and it's full of heavy metals. So a lot of people are in the hospital sick right now. And, um, you know, I'm going to keep it straight. I'm not going to say names, but this is why it's so important to have a professional's consulting expert or just have a professional helping guide you if you're going to do it on your own, because these are the things that you think are safer, but they're really dangerous. So it's things like that that are misconceptions in the industry. I have seen on TikTok a lot creating body butters and body creams, skincare products at home and the first thing that they say, oh, preservatives are not good, but I'm like, why would you want germs to be in your product? You do need some level of preservatives in order to preserve that product for at least some time period. What do you think about that, the using of preservatives in the products? First of all, I just cringed. Uh, you know, when you said the word body butters, I was just like, oh, Lord, because I'm just going to say it, you know. These, it kills me so much on the inside because I cannot tell you how many times I've counted that somebody is selling a body butter and they're getting complaints about, oh, it melted. And they're just like, oh, just put it in the refrigerator and it'll resolidify. That's an unstable product, sweetie. <laughs> it's not <laughs> supposed to melt when it gets to the consumer. What do you mean put it in the refrigerator? You know, and it's just so unprofessional. The labeling on the body butter, they're using common names instead of inky names like it's just things like that that and people just don't care they'll still buy it because they just simply don't know any better or they just simply want to um support a small indie brand which is fine but do the research do your homework so when it comes out it looks professional it looks good i know a girl today that is making millions of dollars on her skincare brand and she does it at home but you would be shocked to find out that she does it at home because it looks so amazing. And she's done her homework. She has her own separate lab in her house. She has a professional guidance. It's not me, but she does have a professional cosmetic chemist helping her. And you can tell people would be shocked to find out that she's doing this at home. And she's making millions. She's saving so much money on overhead because it's all in one spot. And so my thing is, if you're going to do stuff like that, at least have the decency to sell your customers a valuable quality product. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just so important if people are going to spend their money with you. And then as far as the preservative thing, I'm definitely in agreement with you. You need a preservative. People think that, um, and anhydrous, meaning that, um, products that are filled with oil only, emollients is what we like to call them in industry, that they don't need preservatives. And they do. If you have a lip balm, it needs a preservative because guess what? It's coming into contact with saliva. And so that can make it go rancid and it can make it go bad. So you need a preservative in that. You know, so all of this preservative free stuff is, isn't, again, dangerous. It's a misconception in the industry. We are so afraid of chemicals, yet we don't understand that chemical is in every essence of our body. It's in our DNA. It's in our cells. It's in everything. Even things that do come from nature, that's a chemical compound. Exactly. What I think they don't understand is the fact that when you make something in the lab, it's just a synthetic form of the same thing that you can get from nature. Exactly. It's a safer form as well. You know, like I said, they 
they go through a chemical process where they're getting out all of their impurities, which is found in nature. You know, and that's another thing when people are using all of these herbs, pesticides, it's all on it. And you're just dumping it into your formulation. You have to think about those things. That's dangerous to be for somebody to be putting on their skin, especially if they're pregnant. You know, so you yeah. have to know all of these things. You have to think about that. You know, bugs have been all on it. You you put those herbal strike products that are high underneath the microbial testing. You put them through microbial testing. They fail all the time because it's just too much. And so you have to think about that when you're formulating. People just, they always put creativity before costs. And, you know, when we're talking about mass production, that's just not the way to go. You have to put safety first. You have to put costs first. And then we can see what we're working with budget-wise. And we can see what we have room for when it comes to creativity. But we're going to do it in a safe way. You can't get crazy because I've seen people, you know, when they bring their form, when I get formula revisions, they bring it to me. They have 20% of a herbal extract in there and they're like, oh, I want to get into Sephora. That is going to cost like crazy and it's dangerous, <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's just, it's crazy. I'm like, oh my goodness. No, honey. What's your thought about, you know, how in the aesthetic industry, there's like, mm-hmm over-the-counter products and medical grade, quote-unquote medical grade term that usually people use. What are your thoughts about, first of all, these terms? And second of all, what do you think that makes a product different, something that is over-the-counter versus the one that is sold in in doctor's offices or med spas? Well, over-the-counter is a real term. You have to go through a whole procedure if you're using a new drug because that means drugs are being used the fda has a whole list of protocol we have to follow monographs so that is an actual real thing um things like that are like salicylic acid when you're making claims as far as anti-acne that's a drug and a cosmetic anti-dandruff that's a drug and a cosmetic so we have to follow rules and if we want to introduce a new drug we have to go through this application this approval we have to pay crazy amounts of money because of clinical testing. So that is a real thing, OTC. It just basically is a drug and a cosmetic. Um, As far as cosmetics, of course, that's just something. So let's say you want to get rid of acne, but you want to use a cosmetic claim. You can say um, blemish control. That would be a cosmetic claim. But you couldn't use salicylic acid at 2% because then you'll be making it a drug. So you got to know the difference when you're doing anti-acne you have to follow that monograph and it has to be through a registered FDA facility. And um, that's another thing that I see that's going on in the industry is that a lot of these girls are making drug claims and they're not even in a registered FDA facility. Um, that's a big no-no. You can get in a lot of legal trouble like that. So um, that's that. And medical grade, I know a lot of chemists, they're just like over <laughs> the medical grade claims. But I mean, to me, it just means that a doctor did it. <laughs> you know, it's a doctor's brand. It's just their way just to, you know, just sell it more market. It's nothing but a marketing term, to be honest. Like pharmaceuticals, it's an unregulated term. Medical skincare, you know, an unregulated term. Those are just marketing tactics. Just to let you know that it's by a physician or a nurse, things like that. But do you think that there's like any difference in the formula? I mean, what do you think makes one of these products the best? Like what is the secret formula for a really effective product? Well, the only thing that is different about a OTC formulation is that they have to follow a monograph that's um, FDA protocol. So I don't think that it makes it better because a lot of actives, they can be very irritating and a lot of them aren't formulated properly. Um, you need to all, when you're using those active like glycolic acid, salicylic acid, you always want to pair it with a soothing agent. And a lot of the times they don't have soothing agents in the formula and it dries out your skin. So I don't think that it makes a product better because there's a lot of drugstore products that are very nice and so you can have a cos- regular cosmetic formula that is going to be amazing over a OTC formula it's basically just the only difference is is that the OTC formula is following a FDA monograph and the other one is just you have more control you just have to watch your claims 
I don't think any of them are better. Now, when it comes to medical grade, you know, what that's what they call it. It's not a regulated term. But the only difference is that the percentages are very higher, which can be very irritating to a lot of people. So as far as irritation goes, if you have very sensitive skin, I say stick with regular cosmetic formulas like drugstore, e-commerce, um, you know, things of that nature. And then you have the professional term, like what the estheticians use. That's not a regulated term either, but it's just it's just um, a more potent formula. They use more a higher percentage, which which is supposed to give you, um, pardon me, which is supposed to give you results quicker. But it can also cause irritation if you've never used that stuff on your skin as well. So you really have to, when you're using these actives at potent ingredients, you really need to pair with soothing agents and calming agents and hydrating agents so that it won't be like this explosive on your skin. You know, you won't be walking around looking like a cherry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I definitely agree with what you said about the even though the medical grade term is not regulated, like mm -hmm. technically, legally, it's not a term to use. I definitely have seen most of these uh, brands that are for estheticians to have much higher percentages. And right. also the potency of the ingredients are much different compared to the ones that I have used on over the counter. So I think maybe in that situation, don't you think it would be a good idea to just those products to stay with estheticians and or professionals who are trained to guide you so you don't actually end up having destroyed skin barrier and don't look like like a cherry like you said <laughs> uh, something like that Definitely. I really feel like that should and I know some people are going to get mad at me for saying this but I have to say it um, I'm very honest I think that when it comes to percentages that are high and potent in formulations, it definitely needs to be with a professional because they actually know how to treat the skin barrier. And that's so important versus you doing it at home. Like we see people that are derma planning at home and I mean, it's just crazy, you know, and then they're, they're derma planning at home and they're getting irritation. And so in the same way, I feel like with these products that are potent, they use them and they're, they're walking around looking like a cherry because they've used it wrong. They didn't put a balm or they didn't put a soothing cream that has ceramides and these fatty alcohols that, you know, help your skin feel nice and help reduce the redness. So yes, I definitely agree with you that it definitely should just be professionals because they can treat it. That's the struggle we actually are having in the industry currently that most of these actives that are stronger are easily accessible now on Amazon and some brands have done that. I'm not sure how aware of the esthetician revolution you are, but that's what we are honestly struggling with the fact that having most of the ingredients that are in higher percentages, just leaving it in the hands of a regular consumer and they're not going to know how to use that, which can be a backfire for, for the skincare companies. This has been a struggle actually since 2015 when it comes to the estheticians. They have been complaining about that for years now, and it's just getting worse and worse. And I always tell all of my clients, stop buying stuff from Amazon because a lot of that stuff is dumpster dive. I've seen it with my own eyes countless of times and they literally just repackage it. And a lot of the times they dump it out and they water it down and they spread it out. And it's just, it's so crazy. And another esthetician talked about it, um, Nye Roberts. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Um, I don't know what her last name is now. She just got married. But she's talked about this, about buying those products from Amazon because they can be very dangerous. If it's not like a reputable person on there, you really need to just stop. And I always tell them, get it from an esthetician. You know it's coming straight from the manufacturer or the source. You know, just get it from an esthetician. I know it's going to cost more. I know you are going to have to pay for shipping if you don't get it in person. And you know, they love Amazon. They're prime members. They don't have mm -hmm. to worry about shipping. It's a convenience for them. And so, but I still tell them invest in budget and just buy it from your esthetician. And I feel like a lot of estheticians are struggling right now with that. And I'm glad that you said it. And it's just, 
it's such a headache and I hate that y'all are going through that because it is literally getting worse and worse and worse and that's why we see so many estheticians starting their own skincare line now because it's just not working anymore selling other people's products it's not feasible anymore like it used to be yeah that's why I'm working on my own formula too <laughs> <laughs> um, I get it <laughs> Which was uh, going to bring me to my next question is um, product development. We talked about it in my DMs and you also shared your perspective about the private label and custom formulas. I really wanted to talk about private label and custom formulas with you. From your perspective as a cosmetic chemist, what do you see the difference between the two? Does it make it more effective if it's a custom formula versus a private label? I know you do private label as well so I wanted to get a little bit of your insight on that well it when it comes to private label as far as effective goes it just depends on who you can get it from you know who's because they have people manufacturers out there that are creating amazing innovative private label formulas and you can get semi-customization to make it more of your own so it's not the same thing like everybody else you can actually switch out oils you can switch out surfactants you know those things to make it more unique and so a lot of the times that's done as well, semi-customization. And then you have white label where you can't change anything at all. And that's what you see when the generic brands, all of those are white label brands. They're just trying to make a quick buck, put it on there, boom. Um, very affordable. Then private label is affordable as well. If you do semi-customization, that is going to cost you a little bit. Um, custom is an investment. I always tell people it's very, 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 very expensive. Um, I've seen it. From as low as 3k up to 100k uh, my friend her client just put in an order and she, for retail and she literally spent five hundred thousand dollars on getting her private label done but it's semi-customization so you know this this is an investment and you have to be ready to invest in that um, but private label is just a quicker way to get to the market because product formulation is one of the biggest headaches but most exciting things about product formulation the product development process you know so a lot of people they don't want to deal with that they just want something quick on the market they try it out they love it you get a sample they're like they the, you know their product testers they love it and they're like great we're gonna buy a bulk of it sell it see how it does if it does good they're replacing orders so that's just like if you just don't i like to call it if you have a microwave <laughs> I hate to say that, but if you have a microwave, um, that microwave mindset, you just want something quick. You don't want to wait for it in the oven. Definitely go with private label. If you like it, sell it. A lot of people do private label. Um, even a big brand that's um, a drugstore brand is one of a big, big brand. And nobody will ever know this, but they're private label. And they are bringing in millions, like 200 million a year and they're private label they get their stuff from korea so a lot of people wouldn't even know it like if i was to tell you that they were private label you would be shocked but they're doing it though you know and so it's okay private label brands go big all the time they really really do um but custom it's just i don't know what it is but custom is just like oh this is my baby like i've created this yeah. from scratch it's a different feeling it's a good feeling if you have the investment if you have the budget for it i say go for it but it is a very tedious process you have to have some patience you have to have an oven mindset because it's going to take some time two and years Yes. And some people and a lot of people even take three to five years. It is because the investment, you know, they're trying to save money. Things happen. The formula did not work because they wanted this preservative. And so that's another thing. It's a lot of trial and error and you only get three rounds. And so if it goes up, you got to pay for that. So it can just it can get really, really pricey doing custom. But I think that it's worth it. You know, because it's just, it's something different. Nobody else has this. You know, it's just, it's all yours. Developing my own formula took, it took two years to final down the, okay, this is the ingredients I want. This is like what my idea is. And this is the projection I'm going into. It's very difficult. I think if I knew about private label, probably I would have found a lab that has 
a good formula already and maybe semi-customize it and went with it. Um, but now that I think now I'm addicted to private, like custom uh, formula. I think I just went through this process and I feel addicted to it. I feel the addiction of like, I want to be able to choose what goes in the ingredients. It's an obsession. It really is. It literally pulls you in. My first product was a custom formula and it's just, it's so different. It just feels so good. I, I, I can't explain it. It just feels so good. It's like, it's like having a million dollars put into your account. It just feels amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does it's basically because I think you somehow feel like okay it was my idea it was my idea right. of putting these ingredients together um now definitely it comes down to if you're not a cosmetic chemist and you want to anybody can actually go and start a skincare line I think because the main star behind a product is the cosmetic formulator right exactly. not it's not the esthetician, it's not the owner, it's not the it's not the person who's invented the skincare line, it's the formulator because they're the one cooking the recipe. That so. is absolutely right. They are the brains behind the brand. Yeah, they are the brains behind the brand and I give that that credit to my cosmetic formulator. When initially I was planning to develop the the formula, I had a list of tyrosine inhibitors there and like I think 10 10 ingredients I was like I want at least seven or eight of them there so she looked at me she was like if you make a slushy out of all of these it's gonna turn into goo <laughs> so she was like listen to me I'm telling you this is what you actually need and I understand what you're trying to do and I really appreciate the fact that she was she was able to guide me and tell me that this is not this is not going to work out. You're not going to make a good product. And she guided me in the formula. And I think you guys do such an amazing job. And I think cosmetic chemists don't get that recognition that they should in the industry. It's usually that, oh, this brand is so amazing. But guess what? It's the cosmetic formulator who's amazing behind this brand because they made it. Right. It's a, And I know a lot of formulators they struggle with this because they want recognition so bad but I always have to remind a lot of my friends that were underneath NDA <laughs> you know it comes it comes with it but it's nothing like walking into a store and seeing what you work so hard on come to life on that shelf people don't understand it is such a hard job to get that product on the shelf because you literally created 99 prototypes and that one finally made it. It is just so, it's just that inner joy. You have to be okay with just that inner celebration because you're underneath the NDA. You can't just go around telling everybody, oh, I made this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you know, you just have to be okay with that. And it's really difficult because people all come to us all the time. Well, what's your portfolio? And I'm like, we can't show you our portfolio. Like all we can do is tell you like what our, products are like what retail stores our products are in and also like what we've been featured on but we can't tell you like who the brands are because we would get into legal trouble and nobody is worth me going to jail for or paying fines yeah. for so you know it's just it's really difficult so if you struggle with you always want recognition I say like if you're going to be a formulator and formulating for other brands just start your own brand as well and that would help level it out if you are a formulator. Why is there an NDA thing? I mean, I wouldn't mind telling anybody who my formulator is. I want people to know who she is because if my brand is doing well, it's because of her. I haven't talked about her yet because she hasn't allowed me to. So that's why I wanted to ask you. I'm like new to this what do you what is the reason why do people like why do brands don't give recognition to their chemists what's the cause it's more of a competitor thing because the industry is very competitive and so a lot of underhead underhand things go on in the industry this is a dark side of the industry that nobody likes to talk about but people will literally go and they find out who your chemist is they will literally go and pay that chemist a whole bunch of money to get your formula or they'll get your formula reversed. 
And so to ease the brand owner's mind, they like to it to be completely discre- underneath discretion. And you don't have to worry about your intellectual property because, you know, you have to understand brand owners, they are paying 20, like, first of all, they're paying the chemists to formulate these products. And then they're turning around and having to pay them again to own it. And they're paying like $20,000 to own this formula. So, you know, that formula is like a baby baby for them. And so that's another thing. Like, now I know that the small manufacturers are starting to do it. Like, hey, when we create this formula, it's your formula. But a lot of these manufacturers, that formula belongs to them. And you have to pay them for it. And they do that so you won't take that formula in, you know, other places. So in return, they make you sign... Um, a handover agreement saying like, oh, you have ownership of this formula now. So it's a lot of discrete contract signing that goes on in the industry. But it's basically just to protect yourself because people will turn around and pay that manufacturer $20,000 for your formula if you don't want it, you know, and they can do that because they have ownership over it. So, you know, NDA is just to really protect your formula. It's all about protecting it because you can make so much money off that formula. And that's why they're so expensive. Wow. Yeah, I actually do own my formula. I bought it. I was part of the part of the deal. I don't know if that. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people, they don't know that. I cannot tell you how many people have slid into my inbox upset. Keisha, I can't believe this. I went to the manufacturer. I gave them my formula. And now they told me I had to pay $30,000. You know, I'm just like, yeah, they can do that because they they're producing it. And so now you have to buy that formula back. And I always tell them this is what you need to ask when it that that initial consulting, who owns the formula if I hand it over to you or if you create it, who owns it? And so this is something that you need to make sure that you ask because they will create that formula for you and you think that you own it. And then they'll take you straight to court because you didn't know that you didn't own it. (laughs) <laughs> so wow. it's it's so important to ask those questions developing a skincare line is very complicated it's not just oh I have this idea of a product and I'm just gonna go to a lab and they're gonna make it and give it to me it's right. so many other legal things I that I had no idea I honestly was thinking okay I'm gonna talk to my lab once we start the formula in in a month or two I should have the product guess what it's been eight months and I'm still not able to have the final product and we are still working in the we are in like development phase now it takes so much time so mm-hmm. it's like somebody wants to work with you if for example an esthetician is listening to this podcast and they're like oh my god I got found Keisha I want to go work with her how does the process looks like with you guys well I definitely go through an approval process and I think that a lot of um, chemists should do this because a lot of them they just take them on and then they come and complain to our group of friends about how much they hate them <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like see this is why I have an approval process and this is the thing even if I deny you I always refer you to somebody who can better assist you because just because people want to work with me doesn't mean that they're meant to work with me So, for example, if you are established, I don't do established brands because you already have a mindset that my formula is perfect and it doesn't need any work, right? (laughs) I like startup brands because I can literally teach them how this goes and I can really mold them to become something great because my goal is to make sure that you wind up making six figures or millions from this formula, That is my goal. I want you to be super successful because if you're successful, my business is going to keep on running, right? Either way it goes, we both win. And so that is my thing. So if you come to me and I'm like, I always ask you the first question, the onboarding process is where do you want this formula to wind up? Oh, I wanted to go to Sephora. Okay. I I have the game plan. That means I have to make sure because... Sephora has their own set of rules for you getting on their shelves. That means I need to make sure that I'm putting ingredients in your formula that Sephora allows. I need to make sure that it's in, um, that it's cohesive with the regulations. So all of these things, and then I need to make sure that it's also cost friendly because when we're talking Sephora, that's mass production, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then I'm also prepping you on how to do your presentation when you get in front of the buyers. 
And so we got to make sure that those sales are up. We got to make sure that your social media, not only do you have a whole bunch of followers, but you're engaging with those followers. All of this goes on behind the scenes with one formula. And so it's so important to me to know where you want to wind up. And then there's some people, oh, I just want to be on e-commerce. That's it. I don't want to do that. Some people, I just want to be in Dollar General. So it's so important to plan for where you want to be. So when you get there, you're ready. You don't have to go through audit process. You don't have to pay for a whole new formula because formulas are so expensive. You already are formula ready. All you have to do is just focus on the business side, the marketing side so that you can get to Sephora. I'm going to always help you get to the finish line. I'm going to pair you with a broker, you know, because a broker is the key to getting into retail because they already have an established relationship with the buyer. A lot of people try to do it on their own. And I'm like, no, network increases network. Let me pair you with who you need to be with. So all of these things are so important. So my focus is basically the end goal. And if you don't have an end goal, I I bring you through a dreaming process. Like how right. big you want this to go? You know, you're, I always focus on the mindset first because some people just don't think big enough. And, and some people, they're just afraid. Their dreams scare them. They, you know, just them saying it out loud. They're just like, oh my goodness, like this is real. Like this is really happening. And I'm like, tell me what you really want so I can help you get there. Because that's my goal. I'm going to hold your hand. And this is why I love startups because seeing them evolve and go through this evolution is just so beautiful. It's so amazing seeing them get there. Um, you know, like one of my girls, she just got into retail and we just cried. Like, you did it. Like, and she's like, no, we did it. And I'm like, yeah, we did it, but you did it. <laughs> you know, you believed in me that I can get you there. And it was just such a beautiful moment, you know, because she's been wanting that for so long and it finally happened. And I never gave up on her. And she was like, if it wasn't for you, I just would have, I would have threw in the towel, you know? So it's yeah. just things like that are, that's so beautiful. So an approval process is so important for me because it lets me know if you're right for me and if I'm a right fit for you. You know, so, um, you know, it's just stuff like that that I do. I go the extra mile. I don't just, I always tell people, I don't sell my clients a service. I sell them an experience. This is a lifelong partnership. This isn't something that's an in and out thing. And I make that, you know, very, very clear. And I let them know, like, you have to have patience because getting the things that you want does not come overnight. And sometimes they do. <laughs> you know, you never know who's going to yeah. share your stuff, but you know, it, it, it's just, I'm selling my clients an experience and I'm making them feel like royalty when they want to give up. I push them to keep on going. That's who I am. That's the type of CEO that I am. Like, we're going to do this. This was the goal and I'm not stopping. Even when you feel like you're going to give up, no, ma'am, we have a goal. You pick your head yeah. up and let's do it. So that's yeah. me. <laughs> and that sets you apart from so many other companies and uh, and cosmetic chemists is that some people, their goal is to just make a formula for you. We made the yeah. formula. It's your job to sell it. <laughs> now it sells, how it sells, when it sells is not our business. Once it's once you paid that that invoice and we went through production, made the product, now it's up to you how to sell that. But right. your process, it seems like for someone who's a startup and they go with you, it probably would make so much sense to just go with somebody like you is so they can have that guidance because this is an unknown path. And just because you work on skin, just because you have been an influencer or just because you have been an esthetician does not mean that you really do know about the ins and out of the aesthetic and skincare industry. It's exactly. very complicated. It does bring me to my next question because you hit a point and I really wanted to talk about that is the price point. I know companies, brands that sell a product for $25 and mm -hmm. only my product right now with everything, like I haven't even calculated other costs or anything. Just the formula alone is costing me $17 per bottle, right. per bottle. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, so, I believe it. Because <laughs> you have some expensive ingredients in there. So I believe it. Yeah, you have to have a hefty budget because people have to understand that supply chain issues are really real right now. Um, thanks to the pandemic, it put everything into a frenzy, everything is higher. Um, ingredients that you used to can get for, you know, a dollar, 
now are $5. So I tell people, you have to come with a good budget. And this is why private label is so popular because you don't have to worry about that. It's one price and you're done, <laughs> you know, and if you buy yeah. more, the cheaper it gets. Um, but yeah, I definitely believe that you're paying $17 when I heard what you had in there in your last podcast. I was like, oh yeah, I believe it. But um, definitely when it comes to price point for me, for my services, it really just depends um, because it just really depends. We, that's why I always start with the budget as well, because we need to know like, OK, what can you afford and be honest with me? Because you are just starting out. You know, some people, they have capital from what they're doing, their current job. And some people, they don't have any capital at all. They just want to quote so they know what they need to save for. And so it can run a formula can run the cheapest 3k up to 100k so it really just depends on what you can do you know some people just because they're a startup doesn't mean that they don't have the capital because they go to banks you know their husband has it um they've been saving you know things like that so it's very expensive yeah but you know it's just something like definitely 3k and i've i've had somebody um that their formula was so, but it's very minimal, like 2,500. So I was just like, okay, when we did the budgeting, it was like $2,500 investment, but their formula was very, very minimal as well. Yeah. <laughs> so for that cheap. And then it's also depending on how many units you're getting done as well. So the more units you have, probably that brings the cost down. Cause I was exactly. talking to my chemist about the, about some of the really big, retailer companies like um notorium their products are the most expensive is for 29 dollars. and now that i'm doing the cost and everything like uh, calculating everything you have to at least sell your product 2.5 times i think the minimum to be able to be somewhat profitable so you can actually create more products or something Overall, I was looking into the uh, the cost and everything, and it seems like some companies go up to like 10 times profit or 20 times profit number, depending on the, if you're a luxury brand. I was wondering, like, what makes the, these companies like sell their products so cheap? Is, is the ingredient not good? Or is it the fact that they just have like really high MOQs? Well, no, it's basically watered down. They, and so, you know, we call that a solvent. So they use like a more solvent than anything. So a lot of those formulas that are very, very cheap is they literally have like 85 to 90% water and the rest 10% is the actual ingredients. <laughs> so, you know, it's watered down. So it cuts down on costs. You know, some people even have like 95% water in there. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very yeah it's very watered down and so that's what makes it so cheap they just replace it with water instead of ingredients so they keep those margins really really low so that way they can have a 40 to 60 percent profitable you know margin yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah with the with the package with the box with the label I haven't even. Oh yeah, but if you get those from China, it's super cheap. You know they do that all the time because it's only twenty five cents per package in China. Unless you're getting a fancy packaging, those fancy packages they ring anywhere from a dollar twenty five to three thirty five. So a lot of people they get that stuff overseas because it's super cheap. But yeah. you gotta. But you know the the minimum order quantities. You know they're really really high, so that can really get you as well. But yeah. you have a lot of domestic packages that they sell low minimum order quantities, you know, for cheaper, but the price is going to be a little bit higher so that they, that way they can make a profit margin. So yeah. I was really going to get like packages that are like a little fancy looking nice. And I looked at the price, uh, cause I reached out to the manufacturer and the price per package is $4.95. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always tell people, like, until you can get that stuff, just make sure your label is fire. Because a beautiful label in a plain bottle can really still grab attention. So just focus more on the label being, you know, drop dead gorgeous. And that's way more affordable than a package, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. It so definitely it look nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, one thing was uh, I told myself that if I do ever 
formulate, maybe I'll formulate one product. Maybe this will be my only product. I don't know, but I will make sure that it is really high quality. It has the most highest ingredient possible and has everything that I ever wanted in a product. Uh, the We did like two trials for the uh, for the formula. The first one I wasn't impressed with because of the mm-hmm. consistency. The second one is when it hit. The moment I applied it on my face, I was like, okay, I'm obsessed. I love my own product. I can't live without it. So I want something like this to be in everybody's hands. Um, right, so, and that's how uh, it should feel. Yeah, but I mean, it's expensive. It's really expensive because now I have to, if I want to make it affordable for everybody, then it means I have to cut cost and so much, cut it so much that I have to make it affordable. But even then, it's sometimes not possible. If your formula only costs you $25-30, guess what the price of the product is going to be? It's going to be higher. And some small startups have to start with like lower MOQs because getting like 10,000 units I can't even imagine having 10,000 yeah. units yeah that's a lot of people's MLQ is 10,000 like minimum <laughs> so yeah. yeah and like for a startup that's just like whoa like yeah. what am I gonna do with all of this product I hope it doesn't go bad you know type of thing but yeah like your product you really need to sell it no less than $65 and that's just minimum um, yeah because of what you have in there and the percentages that you have it in, you know, at a good percentages, like 65 minimum, but I'd say it's a 75, $85 product. That's in my personal opinion. That's what it's actually coming down to. And I'm trying to Mm -hmm. cost down by having just cheaper boxes. I had like a lot of ideas for, for overall the package experience and everything. But now that I see that if I pay $4 or $5 per package, my my consumer has to pay at least 15. And that box is going to be thrown in the trash. Sometimes I think it's the consumer perception that if you have this fancy looking bottle and it's heavy, it's probably going to, it's probably an expensive product. It's really good. But they don't understand that it's actually the formula. The whole magic is in the formula, nothing right. else. Right. But yeah, and you know what I say, Rosie? You know, you can't think about, oh, what can people afford? Because you're an esthetician. Like, people already know that the products are going to be more expensive. Like, you're a professional. It's not just like you just woke up one day like, oh, I want to start a skincare brand. And you're not even a professional. So they should, you should get people in the mindset of paying more, if that makes sense. And so when, especially what you have in it, you have bomb ingredients in it. And people love those ingredients and stuff like that isn't really on the market as much. So people should just be running to buy it. So you just have to do what's best for you because you need to make sure that you have at least a 40 to 60% profit margin. And then you got to think about taxes. (laughs) So don't be afraid to price it right. And then if this thing blows up, that means you got to hire somebody. So you have to take all of that those things into consideration because these bigger brands they're not doing anything special it's just branding you know what I'm saying and so you have to get people comfortable with spending that type of money for your brand because this is quality um this is great stuff the formula is amazing and then the ingredients just speak on its own the key ingredients are amazing and so Mm -hmm. you know these things cost money and so you have to get people into the habit of Hey, this is what's gonna cost, and you know this is it's worth it. As long as you market right, you can sell anything. You just have to know how to market. So don't worry about oh, what's what can the consumer afford? Because the consumer, let me tell you something: the consumer is gonna purchase what they want. They're still buying Louis bags and struggling to pay rent. So if they're still doing that. They're gonna buy the product. So. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it, my thing is, as long as it does give results. I'm comfortable with it. I I spend good money on my skincare products because I know I get results out of it. So exactly the, what I'm what the product that I am working on is like I try to make sure I have the most gold ingredients and it has those those good things that people can use and feel like okay if I did not get a facial this month at, at least my product is good enough that it can give my skin the glow the hydration the benefits that it needs so 
even if you sometimes can't afford going to an esthetician to see an esthetician, the product should be good enough to give you those high quality ingredients and results. So that was the focus. I mean, thanks to the to my lab, I couldn't I can't imagine doing this without that. Like it's not even possible. I just had right. the idea. They were the one the they were the the magicians behind this. So exactly. Yeah. Oh uh, well, oh my god, timing is so less and there's so much to talk about. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to do a part two. <laughs> we definitely do. I would love to have you over and again, talk about some maybe uh, other things that I have like a list of questions. My last question is about comedogenic ingredients. So as a cosmetic chemist, what's your perspective about the whole testing done on some ingredients that's been demonized in the industry uh, because they're known as comedogenics. Is it even such thing as comedogenic ingredients from a cosmetic pers- uh, cosmetic chemist perspective? What are your thoughts about that? Yes, it is true. Now, a lot of chemists are second-guessing it because a lot of these studies were done on animals. So a lot of us, when it comes to clinical trials, we're really doing it on people. But as long as you pair it with, like, if you want to use an poor ingredient, pardon me, a clogging ingredient that's going to clog the pores, you want to use it in small percentages, and then you want to match it with an ingredient that's not pore clogging, if that makes sense. So for example, um, let's see, sweet almond oil. Mm -hmm. Like if you have acne because it's so high in oleic acid, it can really clog up your pores, right? And so it's going to make your skin go crazy. But let's say you just love sweet almond oil. You want to use that at like maybe 2% and you want to pair with sunflower seed that's high in linoleic acid so that the acne prone skin won't go crazy. (laughs) And so it's really, and this is why it's so important to have a cosmetic chemist because they know how to pair it right when you want it where it won't clog the pores. But yes, that is a true thing. But we're testing it on people to see because like all of those studies that were done back in the day are all on animals and we need to test it on humans. So that's something that we're redoing and just trying to see like, is this really a poor clogging ingredient like it like they said it was because it wasn't tested on a, you know, a human. It was tested on an animal. So right now we're really trying to figure out if that's really true because we've been going by this scale for years but now we're just we're just breaking down some walls in the industry really just restating facts is this really right because a lot of that stuff a lot of those studies were done on animals and we need to see what it's going to do on actual humans so that's what we're doing now so I definitely want to come back to that and just let you know what we find out in studies because it's actually going on right now. But it is true, wow. though. Some of them, um, some of the ingredients that they did find that was pore clogging on animals is actually pore clogging on humans as well. So, you know, it's we're, though, that's in the test right now. So I'll share that research with you when that's done. Wow, that's so great to know because I used an um I experimented with an oil. It's uh from Living Libation, their Seabuckthorn oil, and I saw a mm-hmm. lot of like this one esthetician from uh New York uh sells that product and her mm-hmm. acne clients use it and their skin is their skin is fabulous. Like I'm like, how is it possible? You using an oil. That's what we were told not to use an oil on an acne prone skin. So I wanted to test that on myself because the one of the ingredients was uh, coconut oil. Guess what? Mm-hmm. I am acne prone and I break out like crazy. I yeah. had not even a single breakout. I yeah, used four bottles of that. But you're also using, because um, you use actives on your skin as well, right? Yes. Right. And so that cell turnover rate, you're actually unclogging your pores as much. Um, How can I say this where it makes sense? So, you know, when you're using active, it's cleansing out those pores. 
And so what's happening is you're not keeping your pores clogged. So if you weren't using actives, then you would get that blowback of coconut oil. But because mm. you're deep cleansing your pores at the same time, you're not going to experience that breakout like other people do. And when it comes to carrier oils, when you use carrier oils that are high in oleic acid, that's where the breakouts begin. And that's why people say like, oh, don't use oils if you have acne, because a lot of people tend to use oils that are high in oleic acid, like sweet almond oil, um, sunflower high in oleic acid, safflower high in oleic acid, um, apricot oil, you know, those things are very high in oleic acid. So if you're not balancing it out with oils that are high in linoleic acid, then you're going to get broken out. And so it's so important just to use like you know, oils like grapeseed oil, sunflower, safflower oil that's high in linoleic acid. And you have to be careful with those because they have two different variations of those oils, safflower and sunflower. So you just want to make sure that you're using the one that's high in linoleic acid. So just knowing the fatty acid profile is so important when you're dealing with acne prone skin. So that's why that's going around. It's not a myth, but it is a lot of misinformation. It's not a lot of clarification on what to use so it really just comes down to the fatty acid profile i guess it it's not as black and white as we thought probably there's a lot of gray area in it like there's right. a lot of other <laughs> factors that also play a role because uh tretinoin also um one of the uh prescription of tretinoin they have isopropyl uh merisate i think and that mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. yeah, that is known to be comedogenic, but some people were freaking out on TikTok. Oh my God, why is my doctor prescribing me tretinoin while it, while it has comedogenic ingredient? Um, a lot of cosmetic chemists came forward and tried to explain that. And also Dr. Dre, which I really love listening to because she is like straight throat cut and just straight to the point about facts. She mentioned mm-hmm. the same thing is that focus on tretinoin because tretinoin is actually making all those pores unclogged and increasing cell turnover so don't focus on the pore clogging ingredient it's a low percentage so it's probably not playing that role uh, do you really right. think that isopropyl mercate is that bad if it's used in anything? No, people use it all the time. I actually love it, me personally. But like I said, you have to know how to put it in a formulation right. You have to pair those ingredients with non-core clogging ingredients. You have to really just know what you're doing. That's why you got to leave it to the professionals because we know what we're doing. Now, if you're just using a high percentage of it, like, yeah, like that's a no-no. But as long as you're just, it's all about balance when it comes to formulations. That's why it's so important to know when you're conducting that market research, because that's the first step. So you can put together your product brief development. You have to know who your target audience is. Is this for people with acne? Because if it is, okay, we have to formulate this a whole nother different way. If it's for somebody with dry skin that has normal skin, we can use a high percentage of IPM, you know? So it's just all about who you're formulating for. Yes. Oh my God. I love talking to you. I feel like I'm going to have you back and back on this podcast. (laughs) I don't mind. (laughs) I love that. I love the conversation about chemistry. Um, My favorite subject in college was chemistry and I did my pre-med classes and everything. And my most favorite thing was to work in the lab and I salute you for working in a lab and formulating products because doing those experiments and everything was so hard. I have no idea how you guys formulate products. You guys have genius brains and it's, it's amazing. I'm so glad I got to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I truly enjoyed this. Of course, of course. Hopefully we'll be able to have you back for part two. I know it's been over an hour. We have been talking now. I know it's late night for you, so you got to go and get some rest so you can perform well tomorrow. But I really wanted to thank you so much for doing this podcast and giving me your time. Hopefully we'll we'll have you back next time. Uh, Any advice before you leave? for your estheticians know your client's skin um and I feel like that's so cliche but really know it because a lot of the times we just play guessing games like oh well she seems dry right here she seems oily right here and we just kind of put together things you know kind of put together a routine but really really get to know their skin because a lot of the times 
you know, you're doing things like, for example, like we said with the acne, like, oh, she has acne skin and I'm using sweet almond oil because sweet almond oil is not a pore clogging ingredient. It's actually a two on the scale, but it's high in oleic acid. So you're trying to figure out, oh, what's going on with her skin? Well, if you're just using 100% sweet almond oil, it's actually inflaming the skin. And so that's why it's so important just to really know the skin, know what ingredients are compatible and know which ingredients are incompatible because that's going to make a major difference as well. But just always focus on the end goal and um, just be patient, you know, and teach your clients to be patient and just just do a good job in the treatment room. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Keisha. Thank you so much for coming over and doing this podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will have Keisha back. You all will, I'm probably going to do a Q&A where you guys can drop your questions for her. Uh, yes. Can we have her back? So thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll leave you guys to this episode. We'll be back next week. Till then, keep glowing and keep growing. Bye.